Benjamin Franklin once said, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. The fact is, quality matters. Join us as we make quality fun, interesting, and accessible to companies of all levels. Quality matters is a must-listen for all things quality. Listen in, ask questions, and get back to doing what matters most. Quality Matters, brought to you by Texas Quality Assurance, where quality management gets simplified. Well, hello and welcome back to the Quality Matters podcast. You know, sometimes I wish we just had a camera going the whole time because it's the third time trying to do this almost like, ah, I'm so our little quote chalkboard just fell down and I went to set it back up and I see it's kind of tilted the wrong way. So like, yeah, I have to fix it so you guys can see it. Yeah. Like as the intro music's going, like, are we going to get to do this? Oh, no, we're going to do it anyways. I think that's good. If they don't, well, that whatever, they're lost. <laughs> it is because I have to. It, what does it say? It says I won't be impressed with technology until I can download food. Hey, I'm all about the Star Trek style replicators. That'd be awesome. Well, I don't watch that, but um, I do know <laughs> that almost a year ago, exactly, Kyle moved me out to the sticks, and you can absolutely forget about DoorDash or Uber Eats or anything because there's not even a restaurant in our town. No. There is a gas station that offers food and there is a food truck. Yeah, but I've never even seen the food truck open to stop by it, though. It is. Okay. And I was told it is as good as you would expect it to be. Oh, well, that you know, usually I have high expectations of food trucks. I like a lot of food trucks, mm. but this one doesn't look all that navy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I like so, food trucks, especially like food truck, Mexican food. Oh, man. You the, might not have a trust what you're eating, but oh, gosh, it's so good. I think that was kind of rude. No, it's a food truck. You don't always know what you're getting. It's not like, you know. I think you don't know what you're getting at any restaurant. Well, that's true, I guess. Because are any of them... ISO 9001 certified. Did no, but they got a lot of other health codes they got to follow. I, imagine I would it's think easier. food trucks do too. Well, I imagine it's harder for them to get inspected than it is for, I don't know. Might be talking out of turn here, but I like food trucks. <laughs> <laughs> so the quote is very applicable because I definitely miss yeah. food being delivered to my house yeah. as well as being able to run out and get something. Our oldest boy asked when they was like, Dad, can we just have them deliver it to the end of the road? Because we're like eight miles down a dirt road. Eight and a half. I was like, there's no address, even if they would deliver it. Like, I think they have to have an address to take it to. You, you can't be like at the intersection of such and such. And, and I'll be there on yeah. course. <laughs> so uh, okay. if, some, if somebody could work on downloading food, that'd be good for yes, me. Yes, yes, so yes. it's a funny quote because they were going to talk about some new technology that yes. Kyle found that I have zero experience well, with. Can't quite say I found it. It's kind of like the, the big news thing of the day. So, well, I just mean that Kyle came across it versus yes. me. Um, <clears throat> and so it's some new tech. I have zero experience with it other than what he has told me about it. And so I guess it we're going to use cool. it and so, ask questions. Yeah. So chat GPT, it's this uh, AI chat bot. Now there's some really cool stuff because we're Microsoft partners or, you know, we use uh, 365 for our QMS software. So it's really cool stuff coming for integrated chat bots. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're really actually like amazingly excited about this because we're going to try to code in and program in so much of the way that we operate 
that we consult, that we advise, how you ought to use our software. So we're trying to bake all of that in to another release of the software to come out later this year. To make year. it available to our yeah. software So this clients. is going to be really, really super cool. Again, yeah, any of our software customers, all fractional quality management clients get a uh, entry level to the software. So pretty much if you're on a month to month contract with us, you're going to have access to it. But we're trying to bake in as much knowledge experience as we can into it. But I am kind of curious how much is already there just from it analyzing data online. So did but, you start our timer? So we stay on track? I think so. But let me check and see. Yes, okay, we are cool. seven minutes in. Wow. So, well, I think some of that counted the redo after I and see, I got the little video box over here so I can, whoop, you know, change camera angles and I uh, whoop, unplugged it and that didn't work real well the first time we tried to record. So let's see. My thought was that we asked ChatGPT some quality management questions or you even said quilting and see. I just didn't know if it was only like tech related oh, or no. if it's questions about anything it's about anything people ask the same dating advice apparently you get some pretty creepy results there oh i want to ask a question well, about everything dating. you get asked is tied to your phone number and your device so there's a permanent record of everything you ever asked this thing <laughs> so i'm going to be a little careful about stuff i ask it just <laughs> just saying you never know where you're going to show up in the future you ask this thing something okay so um, let's just start with something again. I'm I'm kind of curious how accurate this is. This could be a really cool tool for okay, folks. So I what just are you don't gonna know. ask? Um, let's start with something simple. What is quality management? Okay, so for anyone looking, you see I'm typing on my phone. You can do it on the computer, but I got it set up on my phone. Here, let me see what it says. Okay. Yeah, you're better at reading out loud than I am, anyways. My uh list oh, it's still going. confused. I wish we could show this. Like it's got a paragraph and a second paragraph, and it's typing a third. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's got a bulleted list. Oh wow. It's going and going and going. So maybe just pull some highlights off of it. I'm waiting on it to quit so <coughs> I can go back to the top and see what it says. Oh man. I didn't expect to give that much information. We've got one, two, three, four, five, and now it's going on to effective quality management. Okay, here we go. It's done. <laughs> it's finally done. Okay, so let's see what it says, and I'll, I'll interject with either agreeing or disagreeing. Okay. Quality management is a process of planning, controlling, and improving the quality of products or services offered by a company. It involves the implementation of a set of policies, procedures, and practices to ensure that a company's products or services meet or exceed customer expectations and industry standards. Spot on so far. Okay. Quality management can encompass a range of activities, including one, defining quality standards. And it goes on. This involves setting standards for product or service quality, as well as determining the criteria for measuring quality. Okay. I agree with that. Two, quality planning. This involves developing a plan for how a company will meet its quality objectives and identifying the resources and process required to do so. So far, even the order of these is good. You document what you're going to do, what is acceptable, and how you're going to do it. So far, it's pretty good. Three, quality control. This involves monitoring and controlling the quality of products or services at every stage of production to ensure that they meet the required standards. You know why I think this is so good? Because they scour information from the web, and I bet they went to our blog and then gleaned a few things off of it. Probably so. Sorry about the, <laughs> the water drinking. My throat gets dry and during it's this. It's hot in here today. Yeah. Um, and the big lights don't help none either. Four, quality assurance. This involves verifying that all quality requirements have been met and ensuring that products or services are of a consistent and acceptable quality. 
Yeah. Again, what we talked about in the last episode and the NCRs and trend analysis, corrective actions to fix it. And Five, continuous improvement. This involves continually, continually monitoring improving quality, identifying areas for improvement, and implementing changes to enhance the quality of products or services. I agree with that as well. That okay. was So that's all their numbers. Then okay. it says, effective quality management can result in a range of benefits for companies, including increased customer service customer satisfaction, improved efficiency, reduced costs, and enhanced reputation. It's pretty good. Very well worded. Okay. I got to say that's good, but you know, we fed it fairly easy. I wonder if you can find out where it got its information from. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think you know, it's probably going to have to be something that becomes a thing. Cause you know, people are talking about this could be a replacement for Google that instead of Googling to find the website and reading through the website, you ask the sucker questions well and then like you know what's the deal with wikipedia anybody can put information there so like where do you get the information from same thing here it's like this gets information off of it scouring the web effectively so yeah, yeah. okay all right so let's think about another question let's let's see if we can come up with something fun for it here what do you think what is a non-conformance report sure just because we talked about that recently mm-hmm. what is a non-conformance Report. Let's see what it says. It's thinking. Oh, it even uh, called it an NCR. It did. (laughs) You would not believe the number of ways I've heard people call these. I've seen deviation report, non-conforming material, non-conforming product. Um, I I saw one once they called it an undesirable outcome log. (laughs) Maybe they're writers for the standard. It's still going. We're on the third paragraph. Oh my gosh. And it's still. Da, 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 da. Okay, here we go. A nonconformance report, NCR, is a document that identifies a problem or issue with a product, process, or service that does not conform to established quality standards or specification. It is a formal, rec- formal record of a nonconformance and is typically created when a quality control or quality assurance process has identified an issue that needs to be addressed. You're pretty good. Commonly used in quality management systems to help and identify, help identify and track non-conformances um, typically created by individual or team for quality control. The report will typically include details such as the nature of the nonconformance, its location, the severity of the problem, the potential impact on the product or service, and the corrective action required to address the issue. Okay, now here is where they, their chat GPT is pulling on the same mistake a lot of folks make. Like, there is not a necessary tie from NCR to CAR. In the database world, we, we talk about one to one, one to many, and many to one joins. I'll clarify that. So our kids have a, you know, if you were to to map father, they have one father to three children. There's a one too many relationship there, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I have two vehicles. There is a one too many relationship there. Okay. Database world, you have a one to one. There's one husband, one wife. There's a one to one relationship. If you know one, you know the other. Then there's what's called a many to one relationship. So it might be the number of animals to our household. Mm-hmm. So there's many animals, one household. Mm-hmm. Okay, so people that ain't been listening, we moved out in the middle of nowhere. We got like 20-something animals. It's crazy. We just talked about that because yes. there's no DoorDash. Correct. <laughs> so um, 
there's not necessarily got to be the relationship from NCR to car. It could be a one-to-one -one match. It could be a mini-to-one match, and it could be no match at all. Mm -hmm. But that's so far the only critique I got. It's a, they make it sound like there's an implied um, mandatory connection. Right. But you do put on the nonconformance what you did to fix it, even if that, that is, is we're just going to watch action. it. That You're is right. correction. Right. So okay. small distinction, but not terrible. Okay. Then it goes on to say once an NCR is generated, it is typically reviewed by a cross-functional team, including individuals responsible for quality control, production, and management to determine the cause of the nonconformance and develop a plan for corrective action. <sighs> yeah. Nope, 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 nope. They were good in the first half. But again, the report and its associated corrective actions may be reviewed and tracked over time to ensure that the nonconformance has been properly addressed and that the corrective action has been effective in preventing similar issues from occurring in the future. <sighs> Darn it. So they did what I was afraid they would do. But again, they're pulling from a lot of information online. So now can I say the ISO standard says you can't do this? Nope. I can mm -hmm. pretty easily like this would be compliant to ISO 9001. It's just a bad way to do it. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like saying, you know, I can drive and never go over 55 miles an hour. Some of the freeways where the speed limit is 85, I guess it's totally legal to drive 55 on it. Just kind of stupid to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know, you're, you're not making the best use of your time and resources, but it's allowed to go 80 to go 55 on that 85 mile an hour freeway. Mm -hmm. Of course, everyone else is going 105, but you know, you can do it. It's just maybe not the smartest way to do it. Okay. Um, let's try something else here. What else do you think we want to ask here? I'm just kind of curious. Test its limits. Oh, let's see about safety. I wonder how much OSHA information it knows. Okay. Um, let's see what uh I'll just ask this. What safety rules apply for operating a forklift? I'm not gonna give it the most detailed question. I'm hoping it comes here, up and says um, OSHA 1910.178, and I hope it talks about inspections, checklist, and maintenance, and qualification and competence of the trainer. And okay, what, what's it say? Hold on, it's still typing. <sighs> what all did you say? I asked, What are the safety maintenance? You want it to include maintenance? What else? Or just read what it says. Okay, it's still typing, it's still going. Yeah, it's creating a bulleted list. We're on number seven right now. Ooh, okay. Which is never carry passengers. No, you should not carry passengers. So I wonder if this is going to give kind of a regurgitation of the uh, OSHA CFR. Okay, so for, I'd imagine a lot of folks listening to what this stuff is, but so when you talk about OSHA, OSHA is Occupational Health and Safety Administration. Um, it's from the, uh, the OSHA Act, I think 1974, in any case. Um, Congress uh, legislated that OSHA can write and enforce safety rules and regulations for the country. Some states like California can opt to create their own health and safety program, but it must meet or exceed the requirements of OSHA. So you can't do anything less than what OSHA says, but your state can by all means do more. Okay. Are you ready? Hang on. So a oh, CFR sorry. is code of federal regulation. So general industry, which is what most folks operate in is going to be CFR 1910. Our construction flokes are like 1926, and there's maritime and other stuff out there. But in any case, that's where the OSHA rules are broken up. And forklifts are Section 178. Okay. 
So I wish we had that like on our screen to compare to well, let's see what, what they it says. Say. Operating a forklift can be a potentially dangerous task. So there are several safety rules and regulations that must be followed to ensure the safety of both the operator and others in the vicinity. Make sure the parking lot is clear before doing donuts. <laughs> here are some important... Joking. Don't do that. Here. <laughs> don't do donuts, he means. Yes. Not don't make sure... That... <laughs> yes. Here are some important safety rules that apply for operating a forklift. One, proper training. Do they identify anything about what proper training is? Only operators who have been properly trained and certified should operate a forklift. Okay. Two, wear appropriate protective equipment. This includes a hard hat, safety shoes, and any other equipment required by the employer. Okay. Three, conduct a pre-operational check. Yep. Check the forklift before each use to ensure it is in safe working condition, including checking the brakes, steering, tires, and other components. Now, this means if you have three work shifts, that thing is getting checked three times a day. It is a pre-use operational safety checklist. So, like... If it's getting used in one shift, but like two hours apart, you still have to do it. Still have to do it again. Pre-use operational safety checklist. So what is the time frame like? What if it was five minutes apart? Doesn't matter. Ten minutes. Before the shift. No, no, no. I mean within one shift. Oh, just be done that shift. Okay. So if I get on the forklift and I did the check and you get on it, as long as the same And I get on it two hours after you in the same fine. shift. Yeah. Okay. But... The second shift, third shift has to do their own inspection on it. Okay. Follow safe driving practices. Always drive the forklift at a safe speed and use caution when operating near pedestrians, other vehicles, or obstacles. Sounds like you've regurgitated more forklift training. Okay. Five, use the seatbelt. It is a requirement to be buckled up on that forklift. Man, that is such an easy finding, too, when you're doing a safety audit. Just go out on the shop floor, look whoever's on the forklift. You know you're going to get a finding. <laughs> Six, use caution when loading and unloading. Nope. Ensure that the load is within the forklift's capacity and is properly balanced and secured. Seven, never carry passengers. <coughs> Eight, follow safe lifting practices. Use the forklift's lifting mechanism and never exceed the maximum load capacity. So don't lift a forklift with a forklift while there's another forklift holding down the back side of the middle forklift. I don't know. Is that within its capacity? No, but I have seen it done. Okay. It is interesting to watch, but don't do it. <laughs> is it where you worked and you were the quality manager? Might have been immediately before I became safety manager. Okay. <laughs> Nine, use warning, warning devices. Use the horn or other warning devices when operating the forklift in areas with pedestrians. You know, I had a supervisor once. He thought he was being smart aleck, you know, because, oh, again, I'm the safety guy. It's pretty common for a safety guy to get ragged on. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. If he's a good safety guy, he'll play around with it, have some fun with it. Some of them turn into, you know. Jerks. Yeah. Um, words I probably shouldn't say on here. And, uh, you know, we, we want to keep it family friendly. Right. Bleep, <laughs> <laughs> bleep, 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 bleep. Okay. So he just wanted to, you know, rag on me, have some fun, whatever. So what he would do when he get on the forklift, because the rule is when you come to an intersection or there's a pedestrian or you're going to turn or you're going to back up, you honk the horn. Okay. So gum, when he got on the forklift, meh, 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 meh. but you knew he was there. He's not going to run over you with that. You know, when he's there. So I'm like, good job. <laughs> you think you're making me mad. You're doing good. <laughs> 10. 
uh, this is kind of funny because of our one of our very recent episodes. Never drink and drive. Never operate a forklift while under the influence of drug or drugs or alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, don't do that. That might be the particular incident I was referencing before. <laughs> Following these safety rules can help prevent accidents and injuries when operating a forklift. <coughs> okay. So they got some basic stuff there. Mm -hmm. Let's see here. Um, I'm going to ask specifically what OSHA requirements um, control forklift safety. Kind of curious here. Let's see what they come up with. So it's just saying that they have established several rules and regulations. They're designed to prevent accidents and injuries. One, operator training. Two, maintenance and inspection. Three, load capacity. It's describing each one. Four, pedestrian safety. Five, seatbelt use. So they're just kind of regurgitating. Six, fueling and charging. Seven, modifications. Prohibits yes. the modification of yes. forklifts. Well, I have. Unless approved <clears throat> by the manufacturer. <coughs> and I that's all. run into that before where someone uh, drilled holes in the forks on the forklift. And I understand why they did. And it's actually, um, if there were a way to evaluate the forks were still stable for their purposes and re-rate them, it's kind of a good idea. And they had it so that they could screw an um, I-ring in there and then bolt it on top so that they could then lift stuff like a little mobile um, gantry crane. So they could lift stuff with a forklift and carry it around like that by hanging. Um, that way, you know, you didn't have to worry about it sliding off the forks if you put a web strap around it. Mm -hmm. Problem is, once you drill a hole in those forks, you now no longer know what its lifting capacity is. So that sounds to me like that's a good pitch idea to the manufacturers of forklifts. <laughs> Maybe so. But they do. There are a number of accessories they sell. This is a way of doing it without purchasing accessories because you can buy those mounts and you slide the forks in it. You bolt it on, secure it to the forks rather than modifying the forks directly. Okay. But it's a lot more cheap redneck type solution and just take a drill and go straight through the forks and run an eye bolt through it. Okay. So a lot faster, easier, not a very smart thing to do, but you know, kind of makes sense. Well, I was hoping it might tell me which OSHA CFR, but it didn't quite get there. Yeah. But so far, I mean, I'm kind of impressed. Let's, let's do one more question. I probably should have thought a few things before now, but let's see. Um, uh, what was, we talked about 7.1.3. In the standard, what was that? Uh, controller externally provided products and processes. Okay, so um, what is the best way for ISO 9001 <laughs> to qualify a supplier? It's getting pretty specific here. Let's see what it comes up with. <clears throat> so it's a handy tool. But people kind of need to be advised that it's only as good as the information it can scour online. So if there is a real common um, proliferation of bad ideas, or say bad ideas, less than ideal ideas, less than ideal. Or inaccurate information. Yeah. But it, it's just going to report on what it's got, which, I mean, is what we've all known about computers from the mm -hmm. beginning. Crap in, crap out. 
but I mean, look, that's the, what they say. It in, and we do a software development. That's that's like day one of computer programming. So it seems like it kind of spells out each answer to a question with like a summary, a bulleted list. And then it closes with following this. Da, 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 da. Um, so it kind of first starts out explaining ISO 9001 provides guidelines for the development and implementation of a quality management system for an organization, and it includes requirements for supplier selection evaluation. Here are some best practices for qualifying a supplier in accordance with ISO 9001. One, identify supplier criteria. And it talks about that, what you might do. Um, two, conduct a pre-qualification assessment. Yep. Three, develop a supplier evaluation process. Okay. Four, establish a supplier performance or establish supplier performance metrics. Okay. Five, conduct supplier audits. And six, monitor supplier performance. Okay. And then, you know, by following these best practices, organizations can effectively qualify and evaluate suppliers in accordance with ISO 9001. Okay. So pretty bland, pretty generic, nothing too specific there, but. But it covers sure the basis. It does. It does. So oh, it's a pretty neat. Pretty neat tool. I, I guess it's just uh, worth knowing that, you know, just like you would with anyone is kind of take the information it gives you with a, a grain and so of salt. So is this true? This is like everything, not just quality or technology. Yeah. Okay. Let's do, uh, how, how do you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> and if you've listened to any of our recent previous episodes, you know why we're doing this. See, it should be asking, the very first thing it should say is tell me the competency qualifications of the person making the sandwich. <laughs> it should begin with a question. What, we should ask it how to write work instructions. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll ask it for provide me a work instruction for, you know, welding something. See if it can spit me out the necessary information for a good WPS. Okay, so it's giving me the instructions. How detailed is it getting? Uh, we're on number six. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Um, so it says, making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich is a simple and classic recipe that many people enjoy. Here are the steps to make a basic peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Ingredients. Two slices of bread. White or wheat. Peanut butter. Jelly or jam. Grape, strawberry, or your preferred flavor. Okay. Instructions. One, take two slices of bread and lay them flat on a plate or cutting board. Two, spread a layer of peanut butter onto one of the slices of bread using a knife or spoon. You can spread as much or as little peanut butter as you prefer. <laughs> Three. It's actually a fairly decent work instruction. Yeah. Like, here are the decision points. Here's the criteria for the decision. Mm -hmm. Three, spread a layer of jelly or jam on the other slice of bread using a clean knife or spoon. I like that it distinguishes clean because you've obviously licked the other utensil. You <laughs> peanut butter off that utensil. Or you do like one of our kids and you wind up with purple peanut butter. Like, yeah. Again, you can use as much or as little jelly as you like. <laughs> it would be good if they said, here's a recommended serving size, though. Well, that's on the jars. Mm, there we go. Four, place the two slices of bread together with the peanut butter and jelly sides facing each other. <laughs> That's a good <laughs> distinction. You know, when I was working with my students, I never considered that point. Five, press down on the sandwich gently to ensure the peanut butter and jelly are evenly distributed. 
<laughs> I was wondering, like, why are you cracking up here? Because I think that's a funny instruction. <laughs> the six, cut the sandwich in half <laughs> diagonally or straight and serve. I feel like we really should conclude the proper way, diagonal or straight. What do you mean? It matters. One is right and one is wrong. <laughs> Which one do you think is right? Well, I think most people do it straight, but diagonal is the best taste. Okay. Uh-oh, your phone died. Oh, uh -oh. there it goes. <laughs> you can also add variations to this classic recipe, such as using different types of bread, adding honey or sliced fruit, or toasting the bread before assembling the sandwich. Do it before. I tried making a grilled peanut butter and jelly sandwich like you would cheese. That doesn't work. That's nasty. <laughs> it gets all oozy and soggy and burned at the same time. Ah, Yucky. And it closes with, enjoy your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. Okay. So I think it's a useful tool. There's a lot of instances where it can come in handy. There's actually a few instances um, we've used already. So there's an, an issue with a, a procedure that we were trying to write in a certain way. And we couldn't quite figure out how to word a, a, a paragraph we needed in there, really. Mm -hmm. And so we fed it. Um, a couple of options and basically said, reword this. Mm -hmm. And so it spat out some alternate ways to say what we were trying to say. And we're like, Oh gosh, that works. And so we took it slight modification and we got the answer we needed. I know, um, Caleb, our software manager has used it in a few instances for figuring out little snippets of code. You know, I want to do X, Y, Z with, you know, the, this app and it'll actually print out little snippets of code. And he was able to look at the print out of code. It's sped out versus what he's working with and find the little syntax error in there. So there's some neat uses for it. Um, like I say, I'm kind of excited to see what we can do with building out this, uh, uh, you know, AI chatbot here over the next year. I think it'd be pretty cool if we could feed it enough information. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's neat. So, and it looks like it's available for whatever your interest or hobby might be. It is. There's, there's stuff. I mean, if it's on the internet, it's got an answer. Okay, let's ask it a quilting question because okay. that's that's my new yes. hobby and business and something. Uh, I just acquired a long arm machine, and yes. if you don't know what that is, that's okay. Um, <laughs> but I I know what it is, but I don't know how to use it. So <laughs> YouTube is going to be my best friend real soon. So ask it, um, how do you load a quilt onto a long arm machine? I've already looked at this a little bit. I know a little bit about it, although I have not physically done it yet okay <clears throat> all right how do you load a quilt onto a long arm machine loading a quilt onto a long arm machine can vary depending on the specific machine and frame you're using mm -hmm. but here's some general steps to follow make sure your backing fabric is at least 8 to 10 inches longer and wider than your quilt top okay um you may need um to piece your backing fabric together yes. if your quilt's larger than the width of the fabric attach the backing fabric so explain to people real quick what backing fabric is because so your quilt has three layers there's the top that we usually refer to as the pretty part that you've pieced together with fabric or what i do most of the time clothing of loved ones and then you have the back or the bottom of your quilt which is usually just a one printed fabric nobody's pieced anything together but if it's not long enough you do have to sew two pieces of it together to make it big enough for the back. Okay. And then sandwiched in the middle is the batting that makes the quilt soft. You don't see the batting. Right. You don't, you, I mean, you kind of feel it cause it, you feel but it. Yeah. You feel it cool. It's like, why is this soft? Well, it's got a layer in between of like fluffy fabric. Right. So 
Okay. Um, place your batting on top of the backing fabric, smoothing out any wrinkles or lumps. Mm -hmm. Make sure it's centered on the backing fabric and extends okay. beyond the edges of your quilt. Uh, place your quilt top of the batting. Make sure it is centered and straight. Smooth any wrinkles or bumps. Pin or baste mm -hmm. the uh, three layers of fabric together, uh, starting from the center of the quilt, working outward. Mm -hmm. Some long-arm machines have a built-in basting stitch that you can use instead of pin or thread basting. Mm -hmm. Is this correct? Mostly, I have no idea. I think so. <laughs> um, roll uh, the quilt onto the take-up roller of your long-arm machine, mm -hmm. uh, starting with the top and moving on to the bottom. Make sure the fabric is straight and taut as you roll it. Yes. So uh, attach the side clamps to the hold fabric in place, yes. making sure it is taut and smooth. Finally, adjust the tension on your long arm machine and test the stitching on a piece of uh, fabric before beginning your quilt project. Hmm. I'd say it's mostly accurate. I think. I mean, I know it talked about centering it, but I think one pretty standard procedure is marking the center on one of your bars that you're rolling it up on and then folding your backing, marking the center and making sure gotcha. those match. It only talked about centering the top onto the back but you really right. have to center all three of them. but i mean it was pretty so, same I, thing I, again i have not used it or right. loaded a quilt but it sounds pretty accurate as far as basic instructions so i'd say this is a pretty useful tool if you're needing some help in wording or getting started on a project yeah i i would not dare tell anyone yeah I'll just take what it says it's good right but this is actually a pretty darn good way to get started on stuff, which, again, like I say, we've used a couple of times for procedures um, here already, and I can see a lot more potential uses for it. Um, and it's called what? Chat, Chat GPT. And anybody can use it, or you have to have like a Microsoft license? Currently, it's free. Microsoft bought it, so they're building in some integrations into a lot of their apps, and I'm sure they're going to charge for it because, like, why not? And, and they charge for everything else. It's I'm not real sure what they're going to do with it in the end. I think they're trying to build integrations into a lot of their other tools. So how do you use it right now on oh, your phone? Um, you go to a website for it. You do it all through the website. You've got to connect it to an email address or a phone number. Okay. So again, anything you ask, it's tracking. It's tracking, and I, I wouldn't dare put any intellectual property in here because you're giving that away for the whole world to see. So that is one rule that we have very strong here: is we enter no intellectual property at okay. all but again if you're needing to get a start on something this is a pretty handy tool pretty okay. handy tool ain't not afraid it's replacing anyone's job just yet but probably going to make a lot of people's jobs easier they can make good use of the tool mm -hmm. cool all right awesome thank you, thank you much everyone